0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. I'm with Mike Lananna and Jim Shonard. I'm John Manuel. As usual, our podcast is brought to you by Louisville Slugger. Visit them at Slugger Nation, both on Twitter and Instagram. Very excited for their sponsorship during the year. And very excited about the weather that we had here in North Carolina this weekend. A lot of good weather around the country. A lot of college baseball games actually being played. No, I don't. I don't, I don't see a whole lot of uh, no series were banged. It's in April, and thank goodness it yeah. we had an entire series played. Only a few series that were not uh, that were interrupted.
2: I think, the, I think the AM Kentucky one was the only one that really got kind of. That's about out. it.
1: Yeah, I think that was about it. So, and as a result, we've got uh, a lot of college baseball to talk about. Not a lot of movement at the top of our rankings, but we did have quite a bit at the back of the rankings and some new blood in the uh, college baseball universe. Jim Schoner was some uh, on the at Jim Schoner BA tweeting, and you're, you've been our research guy for the rankings and the polls for the last what four years now, Jim? Now I think you've been doing these. Keeping
2: track of that stuff, yeah.
1: So we have uh, Iowa ranked for the first time since 1990. Uh, We have Missouri State ranked for the first time since Brad Ziegler and Sean Markham played there, their 2003 College Series team, back when they were Southwest Missouri State. So it's really the first time Missouri State has been ranked with that current name. It's true. And first time for the Missouri Tigers since 2009, way back in their Big 12 days. You can barely remember them. But um, but Missouri, one of the big stories, we teased it last week, guys, uh, that this was a, a big week for the Show Me State in college baseball. I don't think we linked those two together, but now that they're in the rankings uh, together with Missouri at number 20, Missouri State at 24, we're going to start off talking show-me state college baseball. And uh, so it's a little bit surprising, I guess, that both are ranked. Missouri State wins a series against Dallas Baptists, but let's talk about that Missouri Tigers, at SEC matchup, because the SEC is so compelling as a league and so top-heavy, and Missouri really separated itself as being one of those top schools this weekend by winning that series against the Florida Gators. And, uh, Jim, I know you have talked to both coaches, but I'm going to start off with Mike. Mike, uh, uh, you know, your former uh, intern mate here at Baseball America, Ian Frazier, interned with you here that same summer in 2013, and he's finishing up at Mizzou this semester, and he's covered the Tigers the last two years. And he tweeted at us, what are our thoughts on the SEC? Is it a down year in overall quality or just more competitive than ever um, which one do you think explains the Tigers being eight and four, and the fact there are only four SEC teams with uh, above 500 records in the league?
0: Right. Well, I it, it's hard to it's hard to pick one of those one of those two. I mean, you look at the top of the SEC. I think it's as strong as ever. Um, but I think more than anything, Missouri exposed some weaknesses on South Carolina and Florida these yeah. past couple of weeks. I think they're the real holes in that team. I mean, South Carolina, we we dropped them. Um, all the way the things, out all the way out and then Florida, we dropped them from four to ten. Um, they have question marks, so I think it, it shows that uh, you know some of those perennial perennial powers in the SEC um, are, are struggling a little bit this year.
1: Yeah, the gators, especially Jim, uh, as you noted in the top 25 tracker, not much good for them other than Logan Shore this week and, No, you know, it was not. I talked to talked to a couple guys over the week with the scouting uh, spoke with our draft update and I was talking to some college coaches as well over the weekend um you look at Florida and you know Harrison Bader's had a really nice year but now you're in SEC play J.J. Schwartz a little bit tougher for a freshman to um and to thrive um in that four hole and yeah he has five home runs but he's mostly been uh, according to the guys I've talked to more of a mistake hitter um Josh Tobias having a great senior season probably going to be a single digit draft pick because of those that's where you value those seniors and he can Maybe play infield, kind of a Johnny Ash type to throw him back in John Manuel, all-time phase. Jim Schoeder knowingly laughs about Johnny Ash, one of my all-time favorite players. But uh, really, this team offensively, outside of Harrison Bader and Tobias, Jim, they haven't been very consistent in league play. And their their weekend rotation outside of Shore, really, even including him, they yeah, just he, haven't he, been consistent on the weekends. Yeah, they have
2: not. They've kind of been lo- looking for answers. I mean, they sent A.J. Puck to the bullpen for a weekend, and he actually you know, pitched well, I think it was, against uh, Alabama last week, but he... Bring him back in the rotation, and Missouri hammers him. And Mizzou is not a uh, not a high flying offensive team. That, right. They're a pitching and defense team. That's how they win. So for him to give up nine runs on Saturday is pretty uh, pretty disappointing. And I mean, then on Sunday they just I mean, really two days in a row they could not they just did not hit that hole. Really didn't hit. That, I mean, they didn't hit that much on Friday. They had really had, they did all their scoring in two uh, two innings in the, oh. the game they won on Friday, and then they basically did nothing offensively the rest of the week. You know they they also they lose that game to Florida State on the um, Tuesday the kind of their midweek rivalry game and I mean it's I mean, just look at what Florida's done in conference play I mean they're six and six they haven't really done anything that loud really other than you know we you and I talked about this um, this morning before our meeting was you know, other than they they won that series against Miami in week two <clears throat> but other than that I mean it's been pretty blah <laughs> it's,
1: it's yeah it, it hasn't been dominant. For a team that has dominant kind of talent, mm-hmm. I mean, Tobias is hitting 380 in the league. He's kind of carrying things for them. But Schwartz and Bader, are hitting, Bader's hitting 207 in the league. Schwartz is hitting 202 in uh, SEC games. So those are their that's 13 of their home runs as a team. That's that's where their power is coming from. Um, and, and then Richie Martin has been okay in the league, but it's a 669 OPS in the league. It's only 12 games. I mean, the, the small sample size things do apply. But when I look at them from afar, I'm looking at where, where's the offense going to come from. I'm thinking Bader. I'm thinking Martin. Early in the year was certainly Schwartz and then Tobias. And in conference games, really, Tobias has been the only real consistent guy. And, and, and then Dalton Guthrie and Buddy Reed have you know, done fairly well. But this this is a team that's got too many crucial guys who aren't really producing uh, in the lineup. But it's been a fairly mediocre lineup uh, thus far in league play. And, you know... I. And so I, I guess I—that's that's a little bit more of a veteran lineup. I know Schwartz and Guthrie are freshmen, but they're impact freshmen. It's a very—I I don't really know necessarily—you uh, know—who they're—they're counting on, who they can count on outside of Logan Shore in the weekend rotation yet. And I know everyone's allowed to have a bad start. Shore had a bad start or two, but AJ Puck's given up seven home runs this year. I mean, he just, and he just—and Dane Dunning was good for four innings, and then kind of. Let it go. Do you guys expect the Gators to get back into this? Uh, yeah, they're not going to win the, the East in the yeah, SEC. I mean, that's not going to happen. They're four games behind
2: Vandy now. That's, right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I mean, now.
1: So they've got South Carolina at home. They're at Mississippi State. They've got Kentucky at Georgia. They've got Vanderbilt on the road. they got Auburn. I mean, all the schedules in the SEC are tough, but is this a team that can, is that a schedule, Jim, that can set up for them to be a top eight national seed, or is that ship starting to sail? Last week we kind of talked about it. They wanted to be a top eight national seed. They kind of needed to win this Missouri series. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. you think they can still do that.
2: Well, I mean, they they have the talent too. But I mean, I mean, they, we haven't really seen anything to indicate that they're to bank on them doing that. I mean, they've kind of like we talked about. They couldn't. They weren't able to sweep Tennessee at home. I mean, that's right. the kind of series you need to sweep. They you know they lose a game to Alabama, who's struggled. They lose a series to Ole Miss, who's kind of struggled. I mean, you know, maybe if they can sweep South Carolina, which seems doable, for right? Now. Then maybe they kind of get back in that race, but I mean right now they just they're just kind of muddling along, and they keep just taking two out of three, lose two out of three on the road here and there. I mean they're not, it's not going to happen. I mean they're not, they have like we said they have not hit the ball in conference play, and they're just it's not going to get any easier. And there aren't any, I mean there aren't any series they can't win other than you know the, the trip to Vandy. You wouldn't expect them to win there, but other than that, I mean they so they can do it, but I'm. I would, not, uh, I would not bet on it at this at this point.
1: I think there's reason for, for skepticism. There's also reason for skepticism for South Carolina, Mike. This is the other team that we talked about, the other kind of desperate series. When we looked at the SEC coming into the weekend, and the Missouri-Florida series was the biggest one, and we discussed that one a little bit. Then South Carolina-Mississippi State, two teams that were really struggling in league play, and uh, boy, things did not go well uh, for the Gamecocks, uh, especially the first two games right. of that series. And this is, uh, again, a club that... You know, it was 6-6 six and six in the league. They're 3-6 and six on the road overall in the season. And now Will Crow on Thursday night gets really just yeah. pounded. So he was like one of the, one of the few constants for this team. Um, I know they've gotten some nice uh, innings out of Brandon Murray. Uh, the freshman from Indiana has been uh, kind of a godsend for them out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And that Kyle Martin's been consistent. What else can this team kind of count on? And, and what's your prognosis for South Carolina going forward?
0: It's it's kind of head scratching to see the season that they've had with the pieces that they have on that roster. I mean, it you, is. you look at them in the preseason and you think that they're going to be a contender there, you know, near the top of that division. And the problem for them the last couple of weeks has been their hitting offensively. They've, they've struggled, and uh, you know, like you said, Will Crow had been a constant for them, and so it was very strange to see uh, Mississippi State crush him like like they did, and, and even Winecoff gave up 14 hits and right. he was hit around a lot. When full on anybody. Too. Yeah, so um you know it was a, it was a big series for Mississippi State, you know, tip, tip your hats to that to them, but uh, it it is it is a bit strange to see South Carolina Carolina struggle as much as they are. Um, one positive for them is Max Schrock is getting his bat going. He had a big five or six day. Um, his average is up to two eighty seven. It was around the low two hundreds for a while there. And they moved
1: him to the outfield, right? They moved him to left field for well, one game at least.
0: They've moved him back and forth between second base and left field. They've the the, the infield alignment has changed constantly throughout this year. Yeah, uh, they tried Jordan Gore a bit at shortstop. They played Marcus Mooney a bit right. there as well. Um, they
1: definitely, and, and they've had reason to experiment. I mean, Chad right. Holbrook has not had a hot stretch, guys. Where oh, this lineup is working for us. So I can definitely see why he's been uh, fiddling with things, whether it's Winekoop in the bullpen one weekend or whatever. They're still fifth in the league in league games in ERA. So I don't, I don't, I, I'm more confident in their pitching right. than I'm in their bats. Is that? Do you guys agree? You, you agree on that one, Jim? You, or are you yeah, more confident yeah. in, the, in the in the in the offense for them?
2: I think on talent, I'd be more confident in the pitching. Um, I mean, like you kind of like you said, with show everyone's allowed to have a bad start here and there. But I mean, if Crow and both Crow and Wankew getting knocked around is pretty, uh, that's pretty discouraging. If they, those two, if those two guys are going to go in, or those two guys going to win any kind of funk? I mean, they're you can. I mean, that team's not going to go anywhere right. in my opinion. So no, I think you're those right. Those two guys have to figure it out.
1: It still amazes me that they haven't pitched Destino. <laughs> But the one game all year, and now I don't think he played this weekend, did he? I mean, offensively, he's been so poor in le- SEC play. Right. So you're just taking your number two power guy out of your lineup right there, o- outside of Kyle Martin. You know, Destino just—he uh, you know, has three walks all year. He can be pitched to. Um, so that's these are changes they're having to make on the fly, uh, adjustments they're having to make that are challenging adjustments to make. So make th- so there there are good reasons. For why this team is struggling right. uh the teams that aren't struggling vanderbilt texas a&m lsu uh our top three teams they've uh you know all of them swept this um, held, weekend held serve
2: yeah.
1: yeah i mean they all held serve they all swept any, any of those teams uh, which of those teams stood out for, for either of you jim i mean the, who's whose weekend stood out the most for you out of those top three teams well well
2: i'll say lsu i mean getting the Sweep Al- of Alabama on the road. They I mean, all went I, on the road. That's the yeah. thing that I should have mentioned. I mean, I mean, LSU was kind of the team we looked at that, along with Florida. They, they kind of had to pick up the pace a little bit to stay in a, the national seed, you know, race. And um, you know, they did that, going on the road, in sweeping Alabama. So they had to win a couple of marathon games there. Like they've kind of kind of been normal for them lately. But uh, they're able to get that done. And you know, kind of, you know, I guess it's kind of concerning that you know Godfrey and Lang both kind of. Struggled a little bit. You kind of wonder if, is there if a, one of those freshmen might have hit a wall. But um. is there a
1: plan B for Godfrey guys that you guys know of? Uh, I kind of wonder what that would be because Jake Godfrey, the last couple of it, it's been you know been a little bit of to quote the old Will Kimmy line from a from long ago here. Beep beep. It's been a little bit of backing <laughs> up. Um, he is not. This was not a guy who finished last year strong in high school. He's physical, so you would imagine that he would have the legs and the body for a durable season. But the SEC is hard for any freshman to go in there and from day one uh, maintain it. And he seems like he's backing up a little bit. The last couple of starts have been poor.
0: Right. I could see them maybe go into another freshman, Doug Norman, Mm -hmm. uh, who's pitched well for for them this year. He's made three starts, ten appearances overall, 2.42. He's a guy I know not in the same level as, as Lang and Godfrey coming in as a freshman, but he's a guy that they were high on coming in as well. So if Godfrey continues to struggle, you know maybe they make that switch. Maybe they, they give Norman a shot in that weekend group. Um, but just looking now, I see Jake Latz was another freshman that they had coming in, and he hasn't pitched at all f- right. for them this year. I figure
1: what the injury was specifically for him coming into the year, but that's yeah. that's the other guy that you would imagine, if he does get healthy, what could be a factor... Um, I wouldn't imagine they want to move, do anything with Stallings. He's been pretty good in their bullpen role. Right. Um, well, obviously, the whole saves. bullpen threw well this weekend. So, right. a long game, lengthy game. I know there was kind of back-and-forth Jim, mm-hmm. on that yeah. Thursday game with Alabama that kept on going. Um, but this is a team where, obviously, the reason we ranked them as highly as we did coming into the year was the offense. Mm. And it's been a good, not great <laughs> offense. But um, de- definitely, the, the, that's still their strength. Um you know, Just talking to a couple of scouts about Alex Bregman, uh, just to touch on that again, just the fact that Bregman's making such consistent, hard contact, um, the 6'29 slugging with only the six strikeouts, mm-hmm. and uh, the other thing that stands out is you know, my, my man crush on Kyle Holder mm-hmm. uh, at USD, Kyle Holder only one air, Alex Bregman has one air all year.
0: Right.
1: So, I mean, you still find scouts who are still thinking he's a second baseman, not a shortstop, but... One error all year is one air all year. That doesn't project forward, but for LSU's chances of winning a college national championship, the fact they're fielding 977 as a team, that's a great sign for this club. So uh, this is another, another box that they check, and they really had the one stumble against Kentucky. Otherwise, guys, uh, all three of these teams, and that's the thing, that's the reason the other teams are in front of them is they have not stumbled in weekend series. Vanderbilt did at Dodger Town. Texas A&M wasn't even ranked at the start of the year. They're, they're number two now. Right. But the fact that those teams have been so consistent, I just think is uh, is really, really impressive.
0: Another thing with Alex Bregman, too, is uh, he has 17 steals this yeah. year already. And That's surprising. I was, I was talking to him before the season, and uh, he said with USA Baseball this summer, they just let him run wild. They said, you know, we want you to try some things out on the base paths. And uh, he really took that to heart. And, you know, he said, you know, I think I'm going to steal some more bases this year coming into the year, and so far he's, he's done that, 17 for 21. That so
1: doesn't, that doesn't. Uh, I'm not sure how much that projects either, but that, again, right. projects for them. This is a team, as you guys talked about and wrote about preseason, they wanted to get more aggressive on the base paths, mm-hmm. and they have. It's translated, mm-hmm. um, which is impressive. Anything about these, uh, the, these these losing teams in this series, I and mean, we've talked about the, the 500-ish teams in the SEC, Georgia, Kentucky, Uh, Arkansas Ole Miss Alabama we worried about any of these teams Jim as you're doing these 64 team projections Hmm. do you have any worries at all about any of those teams not about uh, who who, which of those teams should be most worried about making regionals feels like Alabama's kind of in trouble
2: yeah they've kind of I mean their RPI is still very high so that'll keep them keep them in the conversation but yeah they haven't really done anything especially loud I mean I'm trying to think of what they're best series is. I mean they've been competitive with other teams. They haven't actually um, all
1: their best series are losing to teams. Yeah, exactly.
2: Just kinda of not getting swept. But um yeah, I mean Georgia you kinda of would like to not get swept at home after playing yeah. Vanderbilt, but you know, that's kind of a they kinda of had some momentum going after winning that South Carolina series and they kinda of give it give it back there. So they've been swept at twice home now by Missouri and Alabama. So that's right. That's not uh, that's not what, not what you want. From, a, from
1: an RPI standpoint, most of the really the worried ones are Arkansas mm-hmm. and South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, those are the three teams that are in the bottom. I mean, South Carolina's in the 50s. Arkansas and South Carol and Georgia are towards the back teams of the to make
2: sure they finish over 500. Right to be to start with. Right, well, that's I a good mean, point. I of these, uh, like what is it? Ole Miss. Ole Miss is in Arkansas. All those teams are just kind of hovering around 500. Yeah, Ole overall, Miss Ar- you have to be over 500 to be eligible if I recall recall correctly
1: no you're right I mean to, especially for an, I mean and, and Ole Miss especially they're at 500 in the league they, uh, and, and over well, 500 overall under 500 in the league just lost the home series at Tennessee which is a huge series win for the vols mm-hmm. and you're just looking at their schedule at Vanderbilt next <laughs> then at Auburn uh, they still have to go to Missouri. Uh, and then they finish up at home, but it's you know, three of their last four series at home. But Alabama, Mississippi State, and then Texas A and M. So really, like at home against Mississippi State and Alabama, are about the only series that you would say that Ole Miss is going to be favored in going forward. Mm. That doesn't augur well for that above five hundred.
2: No, no. Bid. Not. So
1: I, 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 I've said this in the office a couple times. I, I think Mike Bianco deserves so much credit. I used to bang on him on this show a lot on the podcast. Because they didn't schedule heavily, I always thought they underperformed. They changed things after that 2013 regional, Jim, or they that 2013 season where you yeah, saw them in the regional were, in Raleigh.
2: They had been like what 22 and one or something like that, and then they and then fell
1: they- apart down the stretch. And to his credit, this is baseball is all about adjustment, and Mike Bianco adjusted, and Cliff Godwin adjusted, his assistant coach at the time now at East Carolina, and uh, Carl Lafferty. That staff adjusted. They adjusted the schedule. That they got better. They started recruiting more junior college players as. Vince wrote in our preseason story about uh, Chipola. They made some adjustments as a program, and it got them to Omaha last year, broke that drought. They deserve all the credit in the world, and this has been a tougher schedule for them, but it's kind of set them up for a little bit tougher uh, road to making regionals. So it's it's really surprising to see that out of the SEC, that you've got some teams that are really struggling to just to get to 500. The ACC is the same way. Top right. heavy league, guys. Um, and I guess the real one of the debate points in our – in our regional, in our top twenty-five field, I should say, uh, was how high to move Louisville, and we just didn't. I, I still don't know, Mike, how good Louisville really is. Um, they've got one more game tonight against UVA, trying to sweep that series. I'm almost feel like I know more about Virginia and have more doubts about Virginia, which is barely in the rankings still at twenty-two. than I know that I feel like I know about Louisville, where they've found new heroes. It seems like every week. Right. Uh, this team and you know, McKay and you now Corey Ray just going off right uh, continuously
0: seems like he's really stepped up as the offensive leader of this team well yeah I mean coach Dan McDonald before the season said Corey Ray needs to be that guy because they really don't have a lot of power in that lineup it's really right. it's, a, it's a lineup built to run um, built to use speed And it's been a power and, franchise that a franchise right.
1: or it's been a, a, a program whether it was Chris Dominguez or Adam Duval got right. a lot of pro guys who hit a lot of home runs? I just ran into Jeff Gardner this weekend, or last weekend in spring training. That's a guy. First of all, recognized me from pretty far away with the Louisville floppy hat mm-hmm. that Coach McDonald gave us last year, uh, sent in a Louisville care package. I, I have to admit, I wear the floppy hat a lot. I can't find my Canadian persnicketiness floppy hat, mm-hmm. and so the Louisville floppy hat's always in the car, and it has been for a years. It, it's come in handy. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Gardner recognized the Louisville logo from very far away at that spring training and. Wanted to know where on earth I got that Louisville floppy hat. Coach McDonald's known for the floppy hats and his very sensitive, he's very, uh, takes great care with his skin. Uh, this is little known Dan McDonald facts, but this team is very known for the power and they really haven't had it this year, like you said, outside of Corey Ray. Um, and he's power and speed. I mean, he's this guy's been pretty dynamic, Michael,
0: right? Yeah, he has been, and sudden whiting at, at the top of their lineup has been excellent for them too, coming back from a. Down year last year when he was hit in the face by by right. a pitch in the very first game and just couldn't get into a rhythm after that. He's hitting 378 this year, uh, 503 on base you know, that that's exactly what you want at the top of your lineup, and, and he's a guy who can steal some bases as well, so he's been setting the table for him. Nick Solak is, is having a, a decent sophomore year after a good freshman year as well, and, you know, you look at Brendan McKay, and he's really been, I think, a game-changer for them, you know, both being yep. a, a five-hole hitter in that lineup and then solidifying that weekend rotation, because Anthony Kidston struggled for a while. And now he's he's kind of solidified that that Saturday spot, and then even Josh Rogers, his last couple of starts has yep. been improving, and and you know yeah, Kipps is not getting back in the rotation. It no, he doesn't look like
1: anytime soon because the guys in front of him right. are all pitching well.
0: Right, and I think I think that was. That was a big key for them was getting that weekend rotation squared away because, I mean, the first couple of weekends, I mean, even Kyle Funkhauser struggled, and right. the walks are still too high with him. He's still walking three, four batters a game. You can
1: even go rent his two. You can go the walks are too damn high too damn to. high yeah, I think, yeah. It, I think he's earned that. Yeah. Okay, the, the draft class, <laughs> the, the, trying to compare the top college pitchers of this year's draft class to past classes, top first-round picks. That's so one of the ways the college pitchers fall, stand, come up short this year, is the walk rates of the top college pitchers are all higher than you usually get for a first uh, first round draft pick. We'll have more on that coming up at BaseballAmerica.com uh, and in the magazine in the coming weeks. But I mean Brendan McKay, this guy might be the freshman of the year, guys. Yeah. Okay. I mean hitting and pitching and whichever way they need it, uh, he seems to do it. You've seen a lot of UVA this year, Mike. I mean, are you how worried are you about this team now? I mean, like it seems like. They really need this weekend rotation to kind of carry the load, and they haven't been able to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, uh, I know we've talked about it a lot, but but losing McCarthy and then now they made it official last week, losing John Laprise for the right. season with his with hip surgery. You know, o- offensively. You know they're they're not the, the strongest. They're going to be. They're going to need that that weekend rotation to lead the charge. And you know they're going to need Nathan Kirby to outduel Kyle Funkhauser and not give up a grand slam to Corey Ray. And right. they're going to need you know Connor Jones to, to 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 live up to you know his stuff. I mean he he has the stuff to be a frontline guy, but you know he hasn't it, done it. He hasn't done it the last couple of starts. So it's you know if you give up you give up more than five runs. You know, it's going to be difficult for this Virginia lineup to come back into a game. You know, it's a very young lineup.
1: The thing stands out to me is that they made four errors in that game. Right. The Saturday in the, in the opener of that series. It's just not... Hasn't been a, a vintage Virginia team and, in any way this year.
0: And they're, you know, and it's... And it's you know, they're desperate for players, honestly. They're, right. they're so shorthanded. They started with twenty nine a 29-man roster of 14 freshmen, and now with these guys going down, I mean, they've recruited from their club team. They're, Amazing. They're, they've, they've made changes all the way around. I mean, they're moving Ernie Clement from from the infield to the outfield. Kevin Doherty, a, a reliever, a left-handed reliever for them, they moved him to the outfield and you wow. know, started him in games. So they've, they've had to do so much. It's been all hands on deck with them. So it's you know, which probably explains all the errors is because you're you're playing guys out of position and positions that they don't have a lot of familiarity with. So it's 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 really a the big uh, big jigsaw puzzle. So it's, it's it has been.
1: And I think health is a big part of this. I mean, yeah. you
0: mentioned it for Virginia, and then
1: you again you compare it to uh, Louisville. I mean, there's a reason why Louisville leads the ACC and ERA by almost a run in league mm-hmm. games. Jimmer, NC State is second. Would you have imagined? At the Wolfpacker 2nd. we need to call this for Don? Exactly. <laughs> and and you, you would imagine, if you're NC State, that if you walk four guys the first two games against Florida State and you give up four runs, you probably like your chances a lot, and yet they lost both those games. Once again, Florida State just figures out ways to win. I think between the three of us, we saw three of the biggest home run hitters in the country mm-hmm. this weekend. You saw Chris Shaw and uh, Will Craig, and, and the Boston- Mondu, and the Mondu, who's right there with uh, DJ Stewart. Those four guys together have forty home runs. Yeah, eleven for each for Shaw and Craig, nine apiece for Stewart and Mondu. <laughs> um, Jimmer, what was your take on the Seminoles? It was the first, our first time seeing Florida State in person. I guess, in in a way, I almost was more encouraged by Florida State's future than I was this year's team. Although this year's team certainly grinded its way through to to a series victory. But you look at the freshman over there uh, between, uh, uh, who started the second game? Uh, Uh,
2: Drew Carlton.
1: Drew Carlton, who was outstanding Friday night. And then uh, the other freshman, Walls at shortstop and Mm -hmm. Busby at third. That's a very impressive contribution the Seminoles are getting from their freshman class.
2: Exactly. I mean, Miller, Miller Carlton was, obviously, was brilliant on the Friday night in the, Tremendous the second dancer. game of that series. I mean, obviously none for his dancing skills but, uh, coming in. And then you got Fresh the... Fresh Prince
1: of Bel-Air the, reference. Yeah.
2: That's it. <laughs> wow. We need a, a periscope for that. Yeah, exactly. Up oh, periscope. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and you had Darren Miller get the uh, winning hit in that game on uh, Thursday night against Tommy DeJunas, who'd been who's been great for the Wolfpack and I mean yeah for Florida State I mean they've kind of had some coming into the year we kind of wondered about that lineup you know who was right. going to help out DJ but they haven't had uh, they've had they've figured it out like they pretty much always do I mean they've had this Quincy Niportes come along Yeah, he's been a big different he's been a big help uh, you know some Samson's had a really good year so they've had they've had guys step up and Danny Delecaille De hit a home run the other day so. yeah he has you know, five home had,
1: runs mm-hmm. amazing
2: so they've yeah. They're of they always find a way.
1: They're ninth in the ACC in, in hitting, but they are they lead the league and run scored in league games. So once again, I mean, part of that Good is they played some at home. They have played a decent schedule this part, but the walks, the the approach, it's the approach that Florida State has that uh, that impressed me the most. The other ACC kind of desperation series we talked about were not ranked teams, guys. North Carolina at Clemson, mm-hmm. and once again, uh, the bullpen does not come through for North Carolina. And Clemson does come through on the mound. Tigers, I don't know if they saved their season that way, but at what point, guys, do we start worrying about whether North Carolina even makes regionals? I mean,
0: and they have a they have a tough midweek slate this week. They're playing Coastal Carolina tomorrow night. They're playing Liberty on Wednesday, so they're gonna be tested. They
1: are I'm just looking at the A C C teams from an RPI standpoint.
0: Uh I don't know
1: how you know Wake Forest at in the, Wake Forest, NC State, they're in the seventies. Clemson's down there. And you know, Boston College is a higher RPI than all those teams. Duke's down there. This after getting swept by Miami, they're just this this league. I think is in more trouble in terms of getting maybe just five, six, seven regional teams mm-hmm. than the SEC is, guys. Because uh, after Georgia Tech lost its series this weekend, I mean, who is the who is the fourth I mean Wake Forest is the fourth place team in this league exactly. really with their pitching doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of depth there Mike I mean they right. Will, Will Craig is a big deal he's a big part of their bullpen if he yeah. if they could find enough uh Well he in uh, well he's,
0: he's been starting for him. Yes. Yeah. he's made three starts he started on on Sunday and he uh he he's they're building him up slowly he had an 88 pitch limit uh on Sunday and he he threw decently well through the first a uh, few innings. I mean, he was touching ninety-three, um, showing a good curveball, getting lots of swings and misses on it. The control isn't isn't really there for him. The polish isn't there. Right. You know, being a two-way guy, um, he doesn't really have a, a third pitch that he can go to. He uses a two-seamer sometimes, but the changeup wasn't there for him on Sunday. But I mean, he's he's a legit two-way guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of Matt Piro, their their Friday starter, who I mean, walks are a huge issue for him. I mean, he has, he has thirty-one and in forty-two innings. Mm-hmm. So, which isn't great, obviously. His name should
1: be Wilder, like like <laughs> NC State's uh, <laughs> yeah. number one starter, who was outstanding yeah. Thursday, Corey Wilder. But
0: yeah, so w- Wake's pitching? I mean, they have a reliever, Parker Dunche, who's had a had a nice year for them. But otherwise, it's a it's a it's a team five point six five ERA. Um, they're gonna, I mean, playing in that ballpark in Winston Salem, the way the wind was blowing out this weekend. I mean, if you if you get some loft on a ball. It's going to go over the fence in right, right field. It's, it's going to it's going to happen. And you know Nate Mondu homered in every every game. And Will Craig hit went out actually against the wind uh, <laughs> to left field. It was a it was a monster shot.
1: Eight of his eleven home runs in league games, which is very yeah. very impressive for him.
0: He's been on base every single game but one this year it's, via hit or a walk. He's had it a tremendous year.
1: It's hard to uh, not come to the conclusion that he has been the most important player in the league especially now that he's pitching yeah i mean uh, but is there is does one of those other teams jim step forward you know stand out i guess most to you i mean they have the the league has the number two and three rpi teams in miami and florida state uh but out of the rest of that group of a, like a north carolina a wake forest and nc state did any of those teams stick out to you as uh, or georgia tech as a team that Got a chance to host a regional, or the rest of the league really outside that top three is gonna be on the road, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I can't see anyone else hosting. Um, I mean, I I think I I wrote about this last week in the uh, field of sixty-four. I think Wake should. I know their Wake's RPI is not pretty right now; it's in seventy-six. But I I would expect they'll they'll make it because their schedule is pretty manageable. They should be able to finish. It would have been helped to sweep Boston College instead of just win two out of three. But I mean, they're eight and seven. They're the, only, the only really hard series they have left is at Louisville. I think every other series they have left is one or series they can win. So if you get to 500 or better in the ACC, you'll, you'll get in. Your RPI will be fine. Um,
1: and is, Georgia Tech, yeah. I guess, is the team that we haven't talked as much mm-hmm. about. But it really feels like this is a team that you know, they haven't figured things really out on the mound. I mean, Devin yeah. Stanton came into the year as like their ace, and his ERA is up around 8. But offensively, it's a really good team. Matt Gonzalez is starting to get going offensively for them. Uh, they've got some thump and Murray and obviously Kel Johnson. This feels like this is the team that, uh, especially since they've gone on the road the last two weekends and obviously swept by Louisville, but kind of held their own and, and, and win and the we're series. Without Kel Tett.
2: Johnson in that. Right. And without Kel Johnson, too.
1: Right, so. yeah, he's been banged up. Uh, this, it feels like they've survived the toughest part of their schedule. I mean, they had uh, three out of their first four or three out of their first five ACC series on the road. And they've been, you know, not 100 percent healthy through it. Do you guys see that the Yellow Jackets is the team that I, I, for me, I guess they're the, the breakout potential team from the ACC.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they've got. We've seen they can they can really put a lot of runs on the board, especially when Johnson gets back, and they've got some pieces on the on the mound. I mean, Brandon Gold's had some good starts. If he can get you know get him going, get some consistency. Jonathan King at the top of rotation has you know can can win some games for you. So if they you know, I would. I, would ex- I think they can. I wouldn't. I don't think. I think it's probably too late for them to be a host. But if they can get on a roll and they've got some manageable series, they get Virginia at home this week. If they can, obviously that's not easy. But I mean, the way Virginia is going, you think that's a series they probably should be favored in. Um, then they get BC, Clemson at home, Pittsburgh at home. I mean, other than a, they finish the season at Miami, but other than that, every series between now and then is one they can uh, one they can win.
1: I have supreme faith in the Virginia coaching staff. They've earned that mm-hmm. confidence, but. I'm just looking at their schedule, guys. They've got to go to Georgia Tech. they are still got to finish this Louisville series tonight. Right. they got to go to Georgia Tech, home to Miami, but come to Raleigh for NC State, home to Duke at North Carolina. That is not
0: That's a tough slate. an easy it's schedule. Flooding. It's, it's going to make or break them.
1: I think they're in real danger of missing regionals. That would be stunning for a team that was ranked as high as they were in the preseason. Mm. Um, that would be pretty shocking, but I think it's in the realm of possibility. Uh, it's the Baseball America College Baseball Podcast. Guys, the other team I, I touched on earlier, we started off talking about the Show Me State. I got sidetracked and talked uh, ACC baseball. I want to talk a little about the Pac-12 in a minute, but I do want to talk about Missouri State and that uh, Missouri Valley Conference Series um, with Dallas Baptist and Missouri State. and I, I think that had to be the best series of the weekend in terms of two evenly matched teams, conference series, and the closeness of the games. I mean, I guess the the fact that the uh, the LSU swept that Alabama series kind of made that not the best series, even though there were a lot of close games in that one. This one was a two out of three series win for Missouri State, and this is a team that has a pretty impressive resume, guys. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we brought them into the rankings. Um, Jim, what's the what's the key to this team, uh, this Missouri State team, and is this a team that you could see, especially that they won this series against the against Dallas Baptist? Is this a team that's a regional host, potentially? I, mean, I know they have the facilities to do it. They have the RPI for it. Do you think they have the, the talent to keep it up and to earn that spot? It's going to be tough. I mean, it's
2: going to be tough for a Valley team to host a regional for them to keep the RPI high enough to do that. But, I mean, they can do it. I mean, they do have a leg up on DBU now. But, I mean, that race is not over. There's a long, right. long way to go there. Right. But, they don't uh, have uh, a I mean, lot of distance. I mean I, say, I mean, I had DBU as a host in the last projection I did, so it's I can definitely see uh, one of those teams getting in there. But... um I mean, obviously they've got a lot for Missouri State. I mean, they've got a lot of talent on the mound. I mean, they've John uh, Harris, their ace, who missed a start earlier in the year, but he's been back. He's been pitching well. Um, they've got uh, Matt Hall has been kind of taking that job on Fridays. He's right. He's been pitching well, and the, you know he was uh, really good. I think he was good this past week. Harris was great against Dallas Baptist, which is a an outstanding offensive team, and they really you know they ended up losing the uh, next in innings on Sunday, but they really or Saturday, I guess it was. But uh, I mean, they pretty much held DBU down for pretty much that whole series, and. um so they kind of gotten Tate Matheny going. He's kind of their their star offensive guy, the guy most people know. But I mean, they've been a productive offense. They're averaging seven runs a game. They're you know top 50 in the country in average and uh, scoring and slugging. I mean, they've got uh, 19 home runs as a group. So I mean, they they can hit. I mean, that's that's a it's a balanced good. You know, they can score in different ways. They can bunt and run. I mean, it's there's a lot of ways they can beat you.
1: And I think well, the thing that jumped out to me is. Dallas Baptist in a series where they have a chance to get swept on the road. To, that was a very gritty performance for them on Sunday. They gave up a lead late, but uh, came back and won it, and uh, obviously in, uh, in extra innings. And Daniel Salters comes through with his first home run of the year. This is a guy who, I think, coming into the season, he would have been like one of my picks to click as far as a college position player who could hit his way into the top three rounds. I, I really thought... Uh, and This was a feature idea I, I, we talked about doing because Daniel grew up, I believe it was in Africa. His parents are missionaries. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of meat to the story on the off-the-field side, but he just hasn't had a great year uh, offensively. Mm-hmm. And for him to get that first home run uh, of the year, uh, that, was a, that was a pretty big that's that, that a pretty big uh, way to win that game for Dallas Path. It's in a, a must-win kind of situation where you, you know, obviously there's a lot of season left to play for them. But I, I, I just thought that to prevent the, the the really good teams don't let themselves get swept. Mm-hmm. And they find a way to get that win. And Dallas Baptist found a way to do that. And that's one of the reasons why they're a very consistent uh, regional team. But, you know, Salter's hitting two twenty on the year. Just hasn't had the kind of year offensively they thought he would have. It feels like that's kind of the story of their, of their season, really. That offensively, Dallas Baptist had a great year. Even though, I mean, they had a great year even though their offense hasn't been really that kind of standout offense that we thought it would be. They've they've got Coke in the bullpen, throwing 97 miles an hour. As uh, Hudson Belinsky was telling us early in the year, the scouts in that area were really high on him. Uh, They've got pitching depth, and they've pitched very, very well. But uh, offensively, it seems like a team that they've they've got some pretty gaudy numbers, but when they ran into the the best pitching staff they'd seen all year, they kind of were held down really held Mm -hmm. in check generally by Missouri State. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the, on the Patriots at all.
2: No, I mean it's. I mean their reputation is that they're a they're a pretty heavy hitting offensive group historically. I mean they did memory serves they won a series at San Diego in week two, I believe, which obviously that looks pretty the series looks a lot better right now. It was kind of part yeah, of right. San Diego's a slow start, but I mean I would I would expect they'll they'll bounce back. I mean this is their first real blip. I mean that's a. It's, they're kind of an older team, and they're used to they're used to winning games. I don't think they're going to uh, go off the rails at all.
1: You have to you have to nitpick with a team mm-hmm. that's twenty seven and five. Exactly. You know, I just just I remember looking in the in the weekend preview going into it, just seeing the UMass Lowell uh, on their schedule. But the, I know yeah, they didn't play those pretty, games. Wiped out. That's like Tec- help them. Yeah. I like, think like, Texas Southern and uh, Monmouth. Some of those teams they beat up on early. Mm-hmm. I wondered how real those offensive numbers were, and uh, I, I still think that they, like you said, they've always had offensive performances there, but just looking at the fact that Missouri State, with uh, the way they held them down, uh, I-, I wonder about that going forward, but like you said, this is a veteran club. Probably shouldn't panic about Dallas Baptist offense anytime soon.
0: They'll have a nice test against TCU this week, though. Yeah. and will T- be a good one.
1: TCU, I just was looking at their numbers coming into this, too, and oh, we have the Horn Frogs at number four. Um, <laughs> I guess it doesn't. I guess it makes sense that Riley Farrell's only thrown 14 innings all year, guys, because when are they going to need him? Their pitchers have been so good all year. And Mitchell Travers, is another one of these great stories. But this team just keeps on. They, they go on the road and win the series against Texas Tech this weekend. Um, it really does kind of seem like the Big 12. We had those top four teams coming in. But Oklahoma State and TCU are kind of separating themselves in that league, guys. And I guess TCU is really the team that separated itself the most.
2: Right. Exactly. I mean, that's you know they, we always expect TCU to pitch, and they've, they've done – I believe that Alex Young is kind of taken that Friday role, and they kind of had to scramble their rotation a little a while ago when their schedule got all screwed up. But uh, you know, I think he's he's kind of feels like he's kind of. I'll pitch Preston Morrison a little bit, at least lately. I mean, Morrison right. lost to uh, Texas Tech this week, and you know, Young's been really good. I mean, it's it's they've, they've got so many arms. I mean, they were kind of like uh, you know we talked about them with with uh, Vanderbilt. That they're you know they got so many arms. they, they you know, never run out of options.
1: They really, they don't, uh, they don't ever seem to run out of options, and they're leading that league in, in pitching you know, ERA, ERA by a wide margin. But Oklahoma State's actually second. And it feels like Oklahoma State has kind of figured this out mm-hmm. um, as things have gone on. An impressive weekend, obviously, for the Cowboys this weekend, Jim. I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if anything says out to either of you guys about the method in which Oklahoma State swept that series or just the fact that they did it. I mean, there were 7-2 and two in the league now and and lead the league over TCU three series in.
2: Yeah, I think just say it's just their overall what they've been doing in the last few weeks. I mean, they they lose that series. They kind of muddled through the first few weeks. They lose the series at Arizona State. They lose series at home to Illinois. So either those are bad. But still, I mean, they we had them in the top ten. So they lose like two of their first four series or whatever it was. So we kind of bounced them from the rankings. But then they've been red hot ever since. I mean, they beat TCU in Fort Worth. That was pretty loud. Right. Now they've just they've just kept it rolling.
1: And you you wrote about Michael Freeman last weekend mm-hmm. yeah, in three strikes. He's been a
2: big uh, big big. Fine for them on, on Sundays.
1: And they left. They were able to leave him in the you know in the weekend rotation on that, on that Sunday spot. That's just daunting for Texas. You're on the road. You lost an 18 inning game on Friday or on Thursday the opener, and then you know you've lost the first two games of the series, and then you're you're running into the six eight left hander who no one's <laughs> beaten all year. I mean, you, you did the feature on Ben Johnson last week, uh, Mike. I you talked to him and talked to some of the guys at Texas. Mm-hmm. It feels like they just haven't hit their stride yet. Uh, at least from my vantage point. Do you have any Worries about the Longhorns at this point, or kind of where where, where do you think this team is and trying to get back on the beam because they this weekend sweep does not help them.
0: Yeah, talking to talking to Ben Johnson actually. I mean, his, his take on it was you know they've been out of sync as far as weekends where they pitch well they don't hit well, weekends right. where they hit well they don't pitch well, and that's you, I mean you look at the numbers and uh, you know I think I think that bears fruit. Um, I mean, they've had. I mean, Casey Clemens has gradually gotten, gotten a little better, and uh, but Chad Hollingsworth hasn't really picked up from where he he left right. off last year in the postseason. Um, he he's struggled for them, and I mean, Parker French has, has been has been great, but you know, there's not a lot of not a lot of depth in that weekend rotation.
1: It really, the pitching staff is kind of what I thought would be what you expect to carry texas year in and year out and it's feels like it's been good but not great this year jim and i I don't know i'm i'm surprised that the longhorns they've lost seven straight games here um i'm just surprised that this is a team i thought they had the talent to avoid some of those long hit streaks and Mm -hmm. and one of the things that came up with my shortstop story that i did for the draft the college shortstops is that cj nahosa has not played his way into that top group and i know that we had him a little bit higher, I think, than probably the scouting consensus was, just based on, the scouts don't love the body within a and they and he doesn't look the way that you expect a shortstop to look. I think we had him up that high because of the intangibles, and that leadership that he kind of showed last year, but uh, this is just not a guy having a great year. I, mean, I don't, you don't want to put on one guy, but this is a junior shortstop who was your best player in Omaha last year, and he hasn't been able to really follow up that season, so... They always kind of struggle a little bit offensively. Just kind of the nature of where they play, but yeah. Right, but he's also hitting two of five this That's year. So gonna... when you when you're looking at whether it's uh, you look at the guys who were the top returnees from last year's Omaha team, uh, a lot of those guys are not have not been able to follow that up. Johnson stepped forward and had this big season, and there hasn't been someone else there to step forward on the offensively. Uh, I'm starting to. I guess you have to kind of start to wonder when Texas uh, starts to worry. Their RPI is at 84. You know, 17 and 15 overall, but RPI is at 84. You kind of wonder when they're in some trouble too for uh, for for looking at it at large wise. We should wrap up by talking about our Pac-12 teams, uh, guys, especially at the top of the rankings. And USC, I mean, again, kind of like Texas A&M, didn't start the year ranked. We did project them as a regional team, but they just kind of obviously made their made their name with the big uh, Dodger Town sweep. Mm-hmm. And now, Mike, I mean, uh, now they're you know. Keep on winning, and they haven't—they really haven't slowed down. Right. I guess there's been a, there's been a bump here or there, but USC sweeps this weekend in league play uh, on the road at Arizona. They do it pitching-wise. They do it as slugfest. Um, Arizona had been, you know, not necessarily tested, but I thought it was a really good test for USC, and they passed. I mean, 25 and six it's not really. There's no. There's it's hard to nitpick on the Trojans at this point. No,
0: they're they're one of the the most complete teams. Out there, I think right now. I mean, they uh, they have balance in the lineup. The, the the weekend rotation has been steady for them all year. there really hasn't been that many changes there. Um, they've had Mark Huberman's been great for them out of the bullpen, a left hander who's got good stuff. Kyle Davis has been solid in the in the closing role for them, and you know the the lineup is is it's been it's been very good. I mean, Bobby Stahills batting 430 for them at this point. That's a deep lineup. Yeah, it's it's, it's very deep.
1: When you saw them in person, did it strike you that way at the time like that this was a, that they had some staying power offensively, or does it kind of, does it kind of surprise you a little bit that they've been this good uh, offensively
0: no when i when I saw them, I came away very impressed i I mean, they were just aggressive, they didn't let up, and right? they're, they're a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. you know they can hit the long ball or or they can bunt, they can play a little small ball, they can run a little bit you know they can do a little bit of everything and it's a, it's a very athletic club. And, you know, it, I just I just think it's a veteran club too. It's a veteran club that has a level of confidence coming off of the end end of last year where they just right. missed a regional, and it's just rolled into this year. And then I think having the weekend that they had uh, in the Dodgertown Classic, talking to some of those guys, uh, you know, talking to Dante Flores, a senior on that team, after that series, he was just so pumped and so elated. And it's like, this is what we've been waiting for with USC. And it's just... You know, I I just, I think they do have staying power. I think they're going to keep rolling.
1: And the thing about the last three weekends is that the last three weekends were on the road for them. Yeah. And they've won all three of those series at Cal Poly, out of the league, and then at UW, and then at U of A, if I can use the local vernacular. Mm -hmm. So now it sets up with a top ten showdown. Number six, USC. Number seven, UCLA. uh, This weekend, Uh, the Bruins just keep on rolling, too, guys. I mean, I don't know if there's even, there's an easy favorite there, but... To beat Oregon State, which had been playing very well. Yeah, I know we haven't ranked the Beavers yet this year, but uh, it's not because Oregon State's been bad. There just hasn't been that one signature weekend where they've been able to break in. Uh, certainly would have been ranked if they'd won that series this weekend against UCLA. But uh, going back to that shortstops piece, I did get some pushback from scouts. i like, hey, I think you left Kevin Kramer out. You know, John Savage definitely, I think, uh, would, would put Kevin Kramer up in any listing of college baseball shortstops, no matter how good the other ones are. Yeah, uh, He loves his guy. And this team has just, again, the, the outside the Dodger town where they, they went 0-3, right?
0: Right, they did.
1: Outside of that weekend, they've lost three games the whole rest of the season. And it's a much more, we, we talked about them earlier, it's a much more offensive uh, club than it's been. And, and I just talking to another scout, over, again, about the college pitching. The only thing James Caprillion doesn't do is throw over 90 miles an hour consistently. He's at 89, 90 mile an hour range, but... Um, it's a pretty good, you know, number one star, a uh, guy to have a uh, tremendous senior in Grant Watson. This team just seems like, I don't know if you have a, you've seen them both, Mike. I don't know if you have a favorite in that, uh, Trojans Bruins, uh, series coming up this weekend. I would imagine that's fodder for weekend preview, but who, who would you favor in that series? And what's your, uh, what would you point to as the number one reason why UCLA's had the kind of year they've had?
0: Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a tough series to pick. I mean, it's, they're pretty evenly matched for the most part. You know, I, looking at UCLA's stats now, they have cooled a little bit offensively right. after after such a, a hot start that they, they got off to, but Kevin Kramer has been a difference maker coming back from his injury. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure here. You know, it's, a, it's, it's tough to, d- to decide on this one. I, I think UCLA has a bit more pitching depth right. at their disposal. I mean, David Berg has been outstanding uh, in conference play, hasn't given up a run yet in 16 innings. Sure, got twenty-two guys as their closer, a submariner, and Grant Watson has that experience. And Caprillians, even though he got a, a tough luck, tough luck loss this weekend, right. he's been he's been great for them. And um, it seems like it seems like they're going to Griffin Canning now on Sundays. Um, who he's been he's been excellent as a, as a freshman. I know they're very high on him. Um, you know Savage said that he would have been a weekend starter if they weren't you know so deep, which was, right. which says a lot. You know he he's been starting on midweek for them, so. They've,
1: um, they've got their seven guys. It feels like they know
0: yeah, what they're yeah. going to do in the bullpen. They, it's very regimented. I yeah. mean, they, have, they have you know they have Jake Bird in there and they have Matt Trask in there and um, Hunter Verant's kind of struggled for them. He, he was a guy that they were they were leaning on a little early on, but Grant Dyer's been great out of the bullpen. Right. Um, so yeah, so they they know what they're doing. They have a game plan on the mound, and obviously with Savage, I mean as far as how he manages the pitching right. staff, he knows what he's doing.
1: Feels like they, Dyer and Forbes are their bridge guys to Berg, and yeah. we know David Berg has pitched twenty of their twenty nine games, and, and so is Dyer for that matter. Right, right. and yeah. we expect them both to pitch, uh, and especially Berg, to pitch well all year as long as is possible and as long as is necessary. Um, the thing that stand, they seem so similar to TCU. Both those teams stand out to me for they just don't walk anybody. TCU Man. with 54 walks on the years of staff, and, and uh, UCLA with 65. Um, both those teams are are, are very solid on the mound. Uh, the rest of the Pac-12, though, guys, uh, we've got ASU. So we have three Pac-12 teams now in the top 10, mm-hmm. with the Sun Devils moving up to number nine. It feels like that next team though is probably what Oregon State. Is that the next team in this league? Because mm-hmm. Oregon has just completely fallen apart. Swept at home, mm-hmm. swept at I mean, uh, Cal. That's right. Swept at home mm-hmm. by the Spartans, though, which will transition us into our Big Ten, our weekly Big Ten discussion. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, uh, the, I'm not sure who's the, who's the next is, who's the next team who could possibly host. Could you see? I mean, we talked about Cal, Jim, but yeah, I don't think lost I this it's weekend those, to Wazoo Now,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably just. I think it's really those those four are really only candidates. I mean, and Cal's got to kind of got to. Get back on track now. I mean, their RPI is not even all that. Their RPI is seventy. I mean, Oregon State has a better RPI, but uh, I mean, Oregon State at Oregon—that's
1: a—that's 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 a the If Oregon loses that series, I think the Ducks are are two and seven. Toast. Conference. I mean, jeez, their that RPI is, is one seventeen
2: now. That is wheels come off very quickly. That, that is amazing. With that,
1: I mean, you just look at all the rankings. Not just ours had them in the top ten just four weeks ago. And this team has just completely fallen apart. Uh, is there an obvious reason for this? It just feels like they, te- offense like they, they on the hitting. mound, yeah. everything. I mean, they lose
2: Jack Carricker is not that hasn't helped them, but it feels like more. I, mean, I know Cole Irvin's had a couple rough starts last time I looked, but uh,
1: yeah, I think the, it sounds like the main thing is they're just not hitting. I'm just uh, just just looking at their schedule. I mean, they've lost games to seven and twenty six Portland, uh, fifteen. You know, the, the, they put Michigan State. Uh, Over the 500 themselves. That kind of brings us, it really does kind of bring us to the Big Ten guys. I mean, I I think we're all impressed with this league, and uh, we've talked about them a lot this year. We brought Iowa into the rankings, as we said, for the first time since 1990. Illinois, we jacked Illinois up to 17 now as the the Illini continue to uh, impress, sweeping uh, Northwestern this weekend, which that's not necessarily in and of itself, but they also won a game. Midweek against Missouri, they finished off a series win against Missouri State. I mean, Michigan State last weekend. Northwestern. We should throw in that this is the announced retirement of the last season for Coach Paul Stevens, who's been there I think 31 years and good guy, but never a program that's really done a whole lot. So I'm very interested long term to see if anyone. I'll be interested to see how teams, how coaches perceive that job. Is that a really good job? Is Northwestern willing to pay some money? For that job, it feels like Northwestern has money because of the Big Ten has money. And they went out and spent some money basketball-wise to hire Chris Collins when they've mm-hmm. never made the NCAA tournament in basketball. Have they ever in baseball? I don't believe they've ever made it in baseball. Not not in the modern year, anyway. And I'm just trying to look. You know, Paul Stevens is a well below 500 record as a coach, as a head coach, historically. So I'm not trying to bang on the guy. But... I never thought that was, like, a sleeping giant kind of program. It's never been thought of that way, I don't think. Um, But this is a team that hasn't had a winning record since, boy, I'm having to go back to 2000. Last winning record for Northwestern. That's one of the reasons why the Big Ten never gets four or five bids. Even when when the league has a good year, the bottom of the Big Ten tends to drag it down. Is that going to happen again this year, Jim, or Purdue... And Northwestern and some of these teams that have really rough RPIs going to drag the Big Ten down to preclude some of these other teams right, from, from, uh, Rutgers from getting and that
2: mix too. I mean, there's yeah, probably Rutgers. got the so you got five. It's kind of you're just kind of looking at their numbers right now. You got five teams that are really kind of the dregs there with Rutgers, Northwestern, Penn State, Purdue, and Minnesota. I mean, in terms of RPIs anyway, they're all outside the uh, yeah outside the top 150. Or well, Minnesota's 149, but anyway then you got all the rest of the teams like, all in the top uh, 60. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the only you know, next worst in Michigan is number 57. Everyone else is higher than that. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, I, I think they're, they'll hold up enough. I think it would kind of help you if you play those bad teams on the road. That's kind of what you need to hope for. But um, I, I would still, I, mean, I think I had them five teams getting in the uh, last projection I did. I probably wouldn't change that. Uh, it might change... You know, you might change who the teams are. We'll see if you know Michigan had a good series win the other week against uh, Maryland. I didn't see what they did this week. Oh, they, beat that, they, beat they beat Indiana. They beat Indiana yeah, two so out of three. I mean, they 30. might. I mean, we kind of we had Michigan as a team in the preseason, so they might. You know, they're all they're still just four and five in the league, but they could get back in that mix. Uh, I'll
1: tell you a couple mm-hmm. things about Michigan. Um, cause I talked to somebody about Michigan this weekend. First is that Travis Mazes of their preseason All America team. Uh, one of our preseason All Americans. He's battled muscle pull on and off all year, so he's back healthy in the lineup. They moved him from short to third. He hit a lot this weekend, really was a, a key guy. And really, they've been carried by their two All-Americans, Mazes and, and Jacob Cronenworth. And they've moved Cronenworth from a relief role to a starting role. He talked to scouts about him, and when those guys got voted All-Americans, I, I honestly, I did not know much about either one of those guys. So back in February, I made a couple emails or texts and calls about I tried to just find out a little bit more about those guys, and I checked back in this weekend. They both were huge this weekend, and Cronenworth's now moving to the weekend rotation. So even though the pro guys see him as a future reliever, he's up to 94, even as a starter. Got a good split. Breaking stuff's a little shy, so he's probably going to be a fastball split guy in pro ball. Uh, But he plays second base when he doesn't uh, pitch. Uh, He's their leadoff hitter. He draws a lot of walks. Mazes is in their three hole. Those two guys are really good college baseball players, kind of carrying the load for Michigan. There's a third uh, hitter in that lineup who's the DH, who I'm blanking on uh, right now. I, I don't know if I have MGO Blue uh, live on my stats or not. I'll, I'll cheat and look them up. Uh, but this is a team that the trend lines for them are good. Not just that they've won the last two weekends, Jim. That the uh, they're they're starting to figure it out. Eric Backich, uh started to figure out. Uh, his weekend rotation it's Carmen Benedetti who's hitting three thirty nine for them um and providing some of the pop there, so good name, member of the Italian tribe with you mike so <laughs> um so they're starting to figure things out and now the mazes is healthy I so there's a big piece back in their uh in their lineup that had been missing so and then Ohio State' so their team i don't, I don't know we've talked about them I don't know terribly much yeah, about kind Ohio of under State. The radar, yeah. They are under the radar, but they have the highest RPI in the league outside of uh, Nebraska and, and Maryland. They're number three. So, Maryland's another team, Jim, we should talk about. You've been on the Terps all year, and they kind of rewarded your patience by sweeping right. Nebraska this weekend.
2: Yeah, that was a, a real uh, hashtag statement win, if I can. It was. Uh, steal, you can use that. that but, I'll uh, allow it, counselor. I hope, I hope I don't get some blowback from my uh, NC State followers on that one, but um, for using it for Maryland. But, That's uh, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that was a, a huge, I mean, they, Maryland, I mean, they hadn't really done anything terribly wrong the first weeks, so they sent anything all that loud, I mean, they lost a the series to UNC Wilmington, which is not, I mean, that they're, Wilmington's a good team, so that's not, you know, uh, something you can really fault them for, they lost a the series to Michigan, who's another talented team, they just hadn't really, they just hadn't really had a chance to do anything loud, really, I mean, their schedule just hadn't, those had been their two best series, and they'd lost them both, so that's kind of why they were out of the rankings, but, you know, they got Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska was red hot coming into, right. Dayton, into that series, and they, you know, they, they Turps kind of, you know, they kind of had to come from behind one of the on Sunday to finish that sweep. They get a gr- two great starts in the Saturday doubleheader with uh, Mike Schworn and I um, blanked on the uh, the other starter's name. But, uh, I mean, they've kind of, you kind of wondered about their, um, you know, their pitching after Mike Schworn was kind of the issue. They kind of had to, kind of been exper- experimenting. They, you know, they tried Willie Rios in there. He kind of struggled. They've, I think Jake Drossner has been a little up and down. So they've kind of had to, uh, you know, search for some answers. But, and they and, put Robinson, Robinson in the bullpen, yeah. mm-hmm. which and was... he was good yesterday. I caught a little bit of the end of that game yesterday. He was he was striking guys out. He was jacked up. They're getting out of some jams. I mean, it was...
1: that's That seemed to be the issue, is that they put Robinson in the bullpen, mm-hmm. and the scouts I talked to were... and you know, scouts are always there to second-guess college coaches. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. But a lot of the scouts I talked to just didn't understand why he was in their bullpen, and then they weren't getting enough starting pitching, Jim, to get to uh, Robinson so that Alex Robinson could affect the game. I mean, he hasn't given up an earned run all year, but he's only got the two saves because they throw him on Sunday when uh, games were decided already. So it was a real challenge, I think, for them. I think they're still figuring out, uh, John Sheff and company, who is going to be, who are our starters going to be so that we can use Alex Robinson as this twice-in-a-weekend guy instead of once-in-a-weekend. That was kind of the idea. And I think it's made it harder for scouts to see him. But I think it also, until this weekend, they weren't getting leads and uh, where they could get him those high leverage innings in the bullpen.
2: And I think the other thing kind of stands out for me about Maryland is uh, watching them play the long ball. Right, I mean, right. I mean, they had 28 home runs as a team. I think that last year they had like 10 or 12 something yeah, like that. I mean, absolutely, they had three home runs yesterday. They hit another. They had one on uh, that big one in the doubleheader on Saturday. I mean, they were. I mean, last year they were a very athletic team, but they were a bunt and steal Correct. and get. I think they led the country and hit by pitches. They were very much a, a small ball. It was a Score one run at a time. Team. I mean, I mean, you look up and see Brandon Lau has seven home runs. I mean, always liked him as a you know really smart hitter, but he's he's found some. You know, I'm sure the new balls have helped, but I mean, other guy's tapped into some power. Kevin Martir, their catcher, has four. Uh, Nick Sierra, the big third, first baseman, has got three. Uh, Jose Quas, the third baseman, who's you know, phys, pretty physical guy. He's not really hitting for average, but he's got five home runs. I mean, that's that's a big shift. For them. It really is. No, it really. Is, is. I mean, they're. I mean, when we saw them, um, you know, coming through here last couple of years, their last, you know, they're into their end of the ACC tenure. They were, you know, if they got a guy on first to start an inning, it was going to be a bunt. It was just automatic. It was as and automatic?
1: Would, them bunting was as automatic as Virginia throwing four pickoffs to first if a guy exactly. on first. So sort to of
2: see them beating somebody with home runs, I mean, that's this is this is a new world for the Terps.
1: It is a new world. Uh, a couple Twitter questions to take us out, uh, Michael, Direct the first one to you from a longtime listener and frequent caller, Tucker Blankenship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, of course, they all could get in, but if they had to pick one team from the old North State and or from this ACC trio, I should say, of North Carolina State, Clemson, North Carolina, to make regionals, if you could only pick one, which would you pick? Would it be the winner of this weekend's North Carolina NC State Series?
0: Yeah. I think that'd be a, a good way to a, a good way to go I mean I think of those teams, I still feel like UNC has the the most talent they just haven't they've just underachieved so far this year. Um, I think that's fair so you know I, I think I think the winner of, of this weekend series I think you could definitely say would be a, a favorite there out of that group.
1: And we have Alex Margulay's, uh, I think I pronounced his name right, I hope I did, I pronounce it like Juliana Margulay's, Does her name, because I think he spells it the same way. <laughs> but Alex done play-by-play in the minor leagues, and he's done does it for the University of Nevada. He's wondering where our evaluation of Nevada is at this time, and uh, why Nevada hasn't been ranked. And guys, we did talk about ranking a lot of teams, we talked about... Um, Nevada's keep- been on the radar pretty much every week for we talked, a while. We talked so about was- South Carolina staying in the rankings, we talked about keeping Houston, we talked about ranking Nevada... Um, I think there might have been one other team we talked about. We dropped Texas Tech. Uh, there was some turnover. We haven't even talked about bringing in Florida Atlantic. Yeah. But guys, uh, where where what was uh what was the case uh, with Nevada? What was the case? I guess kind of with against Nevada.
2: Case four is they're pretty much they've won a lot of games. I mean the case against is their strength of schedule has been pretty bad. I mean two twenty two They haven't. Yeah. Uh, I think where we say their best series win was uh, Fresno or something like that. I mean it's not uh, probably Fresno. Yeah. So I mean they, they, that's their. Issue is they haven't really beaten anybody that loud. I mean, they they won a midweek game at Texas Tech in like the second week of the season. That's probably their single best win. But San, uh,
1: San Diego State was the other team mm, that we discussed in the rankings, kind of, and they play in two weeks in San Diego. Yeah, the winner of that
2: series could well get in. If there's a if there's an opportunity.
1: I, that, that's where I was headed. It's not these things all happen in a vacuum, obviously, Mike. But that seems like that's the that's the the opportunity <clears throat> for either of those teams to kind of break in the rankings. And what stands out about for you about Florida Atlantic? We've talked about them being in the rankings for a while what what, uh, what caused them to be finally in this week because i mean this is again a team that is 26 and 6 they've won a ton of games this year this feels like a, a pretty complete team i know the coaches i've talked to who've seen them uh when you talk to coaches and scouts in the state of florida about who the better teams are florida atlantic keeps coming up I think that it seems like they're pretty similar really to florida to, to ucf which we dropped yeah. the golden Knight. but it's a very offensive ball club
0: yeah, no, it, it is a very offensive ball club. And I think, I mean, they've been on our radar for a while. They right. do have some impressive wins this year. They beat Miami earlier in the year. Um, they beat UCF. Um, and and they, they have put up some some pretty uh, high scores with that offense. You know, a lot of de- double-digit games.
1: Um, they kind of pounded Marshall this week. It was a 25 runs, I think, against Marshall this weekend. So, and, yeah. and you and I are familiar with Brand- uh, Brandon Sanger was the starting second baseman on that. 2013 regional team in Chapel Hill and he hit five holes a freshman right. he's moved to the outfield uh, he's kind of been the leading hitter and even that year he, he showed you the approach and he's got you know, uh, more walks than strikeouts the whole team has more walks than strikeouts that's kind of what jumps out to me uh, about their team right. the most is it's a pretty deep lineup some real experienced guys Ricky Santiago's been uh, in that infield for three years as a starter Sanger's been a three-year starter I mean. I, I thought
0: they would take a little bit of a step back on the
1: mound this year because of yeah.
0: what they lost from last year, but they really haven't. Uh, Drew Jackson's been very good for them five and one, one point six four. Um, yeah, I mean they have three weekend starters here that have respectable numbers that have that have pitched well for them, and they do have a lot of balance up and down that lineup. They're hitting three sixteen as a team, um, you know, and obviously they can score runs in bunches. So they're they're a potent team.
1: It's really it feels like it's going to be a, a case of when you're comparing them and, and UCF, like which of those teams during the year will develop enough pitching depth that if they don't win that first regional game, can either of those teams kind of bounce back and win a regional from a loser's bracket? Because you can see where a lot of the other big major conference teams, even if they don't use all their pitchers, they generally have the depth. They don't always go to those pitchers. They don't always trust those other pitchers, but they usually have other arms in that bullpen who are getting full rides. And that's just not necessarily as true at a school like FAU or UC Evan. That's how it feels, Jim. I don't know if you have
2: a take on the Owls at all. Uh, with the Owls, just going to say with about UCF. I mean, getting Zach Rogers going the last couple of weeks has been that's a positive sign for them. Yeah, I mean, for UCF, going With yeah. Uh, Craig Finfrock uh, Saturday on Fridays, but right. I mean, yeah, I mean, for FAU, I must say they do have they've shown three pretty consistent starters. I mean, you kind of wonder about the you know they I mean, they do have some identity in the bullpen with um, guys like you know. John the uh, Sabel, if I'm saying his name right,'s got right. good numbers. De- Devon Devin Carr's got good numbers. So they've got some options out that there and these guys look like they could, they've shown they can miss some bats when they need to. So I mean uh, I I think if they if they do find themselves in a the loser's bracket, I mean you gotta they're probably gonna win more eight seven type games than they are uh win many games two to one, four to three. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean I w I wouldn't rule them out if they can if they if that were to uh get in that be in that situation
1: you know, I, I like drew jackson i remember him from his junior college days uh senior good body he's got pretty good stuff uh, if that's your one of your rocks on a weekend um that's that's a good place to start and they did just pound ucf and they played them midweek this past week so uh there's some offensive ball clubs out there that's why it was so weird jim to see florida state and nc state know, play right? so low scoring She's games but I think between the three of us, we saw a lot of offense this weekend. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing we should wrap up with was the inevit- hashtag inevitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wrote about it last week on the site. I mean, do you guys does that does the, did the numbers uh, line up with the anecdotal evidence that offense is up and that there are more home runs? Mike, it line up for you or
0: I, I think so. I mean, I've I mean just this weekend alone, it was I mean. They're playing in a band box and was say Right. but you know, a lot of a lot of long balls hit. I mean, every weekend, you know, it, it, it seems like you can expect a, a few homers, and uh, you know, you lo- you just look at rosters and you look at you look at players, and you know, a few guys and d- double digit homers already this year to this point. You know, some guys who've already doubled their home run totals from, right. from the year before. Um, even look at a guy like like Chris Shaw. You know, he hit I think six home runs last year. He's up to eleven this year. So yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, I think it, I think it's it's paying off so far, and I know pitchers like the ball too. So I think it's it's, it's a benefit to, to both sides of the game. And even though the, the runs per game aren't up dramatically, I mean it is. You know, chicks dig the long ball. Mm-hmm. I we agree, have, and I think we all kind of dig the long ball. So it, you know, it's been uh, that's
1: my line. Don't it's not just chicks who dig the long ball. I dig it too. Yeah, I, I like the long ball, and more than that, I like the threat of the long that's ball. What, Jim. Yeah, I think that's what
2: yeah. really matters. That's, that's the real difference yeah. of it. You know, like. I don't know. We've talked about a lot, but when we got to Omaha last year, there just wasn't even a threat. He didn't even have to hitting a home run wasn't even a, a thought that it might happen. So now it's, and there is now there is, that does exist. I mean, we'll see what happens when we get to Omaha this year. But uh, yeah, I feel like for me, the kind of the certainly there have been more home runs. I think the or it has felt like anecdotically there have been more home runs. I think the other part of it is, you know, kind of the you know we've heard a few coaches talk about this that there there are more not just home runs, but there are more doubles and triples and balls carrying over guys heads and stuff like that i think that's been just as big a a part of getting more offense going as just hitting a ball over the fence i think you've you're getting more base hits and you know balls are getting getting through the infields faster i think that's been a big part of it as well
1: you just see more you see outfielders have to turn and go back on balls Mm -hmm. much more often this year uh, than i've noticed in past years and i haven't been to as many games as you guys have but it's definitely noticeable and uh Hopefully this might be the last time we talk about it because we're in this offensive environment. It's, it's lasted halfway through. It feels like offense should even go up as the weather warms up, and certainly the weather's got to warm up because it can't get any colder than it's been the first uh, seven weeks of the season. But uh, halfway home with the regular season, guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you to our listeners for all the questions. You can always send those to us at podcast at baseballamerica.com via email. Tweet at us. He's at mlanana. He's at Jim Schoener, ba. I'm at John Manuel, ba. And we'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.